Welcome to another episode of the Music from the Goddesses Vault podcast. I am your host, Midnight Star. What you heard was The Writing on My Father's Hand by Dead Can Dance. The topic of today's show is something that I was interested in when I was a preteen. I don't do it now because it's too complicated to learn and to understand. Today's show is about palmistry. But first, I hate to be a downer, but I've noticed that I have 700 podcast listeners and no one wants to respond to me on the Facebook page or on Twitch about whether or not I should do a contest or to help me pay for a music royalties tariff by donating to the GoFundMe page. I still have to figure out how to add the GoFundMe button on goddessvaultpodcast.wordpress.com. It still won't let me do that. Anyway, all I can say for those of you listeners out there is drop what you are doing, unless you are in a vehicle, and go on to the blog site, Music from the Goddesses Vault Facebook page, or tweet me at Goddess Vault to answer the question and, of course, to donate. I'm trying to look for other social media sites that I can connect with all of you. I don't want to do Snapchat because I am not photogenic. And on Instagram, I'm trying to find ways to get the URL out there. I was thinking some sort of text messaging app or something like that, which allows me to create a podcast group and you can respond that way. Any suggestions? The point is that I want all of you listeners out there to interact with me. I feel like I'm talking to myself most of the time on Facebook and Twitter. Here are the events going on hopefully in your area. If you live in or around Vancouver, BC, Canada, Bay and Books and Sound will be hosting the Astrology of 2019, Planning Your Year with Intention, on Thursday, January 17th from 6.30 to 8 p.m. Astrologer Andrea Haver will be speaking about what we can expect in the coming year. It's free, but you do have to click on Andrea Haver, the Astrologer of 2019 Facebook page to join. For more information, go to bayon.com forward slash events forward slash J-A-V-O-R. I have to apologize to all the pagan women listening in the States. This next event is for pagan men only. If you live in Virginia, the Hampton Roads Pagan Men and TSC Men's Groups are proud to host the 2019 Brotherhood by the Bog Pagan Men's Retreat from April 11th to the 14th at the First Landing State Park in Virginia Beach, Virginia. The park is located just north of Virginia Beach at the mouth of Chesapeake Bay. This year's theme is Brotherhood Across Boundaries. In order to camp with them, you must pre-register and pay $30 for the entire weekend before Thursday, February 14th. After that, it will be $40 for the entire weekend. It includes meals and parking passes. Tent spaces are $15 a night. Day trippers are also welcome and there are also pay-at-the-gate options. To register or for more information, go to olympuscampgroundresort.com forward slash index dot php forward slash brotherhood dash by dash the dash bog dash main. If you live in the UK, the Museum of Witchcraft and Magic is hosting the Northern Witten 2019 on Saturday, March 16th at Guildhall Theatre Marketplace in Derby, England. It is a symposium of traditional witchcraft and folk magic. Guest speakers this year are Gemma Gary, Shawnee Oates, Simon Costin, Stuart Inman, and Victoria Musson. Doors open at 9 a.m. and the event begins at 10. Tickets are £30. For more information, go to northern-witten.com. Again, all the links will be in the show notes and on the blog, which is goddessvaultpodcast.wordpress.com. As I mentioned at the top of this show, the theme today is palmistry. I'll try my best to find the history of it and to explain some of the lines on your hands the best way that I can. First, I'm going to play for you the Hand Parting Song by Crow Women. Magic brought us to 
magic found us in our hearts. From that magic I release you, Goddess bless Mary Part. Mary Part, go in beauty. Mary Part, go in peace. Mary Part, with compassion, from our vows we release. The threads of our life stories, we braided at the start. We now unbind that magic, Goddess bless Mary I know that all of you know what palmistry is. It's telling someone's future by reading the lines on their hands. It's uncertain where palmistry first started. It might have begun in India. Palmistry is also known in China, Tibet, Mesopotamia, and Egypt. In medieval times, witch hunters used palmistry to interpret pigmentation spots. If they see that spot, that means you are in a pact with the devil. Palmistry started to become popular again during the Renaissance. In the 19th century, it underwent another popular revival thanks to the works of Kashmir de Pentini, Chiro, and William Benham. In the 20th century, palmistry had another renewed attention and interpretation thanks to Carl Jung. I will be talking more about palmistry after you hear Hands by Ruth Barrett.
It's time for the spirit guide of the week. I don't know if I've done this goddess before. If I have, please let me know. She is a Norse goddess who got a day of the week named after her, Friday. This week's spirit guide is Freya. She has dominion over love, sex, fertility, magic, witchcraft, death, pleasure, and glory. Freya is the most beautiful of the Norse spirits and her name is translated to mean lady. She is the daughter of Norjin Herta, and her twin brother is Freyr. They were among the Vanir hostages who joined the Azure to help maintain peace. When she first arrived in Asgard, she taught the Azure how to make charms and potions. As a goddess of death, Freya laid claim to the half-dead when she led the Valkyries into the battlefield. What you can offer Freya on your altar are the following. Honey, mead, flowers. You can sing or play love songs for her or compose poetry. She will accept humble gifts or you can offer Freya lavish ones like jewelry and perfume. Hold a dinner in her honor with offerings of ale, apple, barley, and pork. And you can feed a pharaoh or adopt a cat for yourself. That is it for now. Stay tuned for another Spirit Guide of the Week.
That was Freya's Fire Dance by Serpentine. There are different schools of thought on how to read your own palm. You just have to look online to find the right resources that can help you out with this. There is more to palmistry than what I'm going to tell you. It is best to do your research. The first is to choose which hand you want to do the reading with. There are some schools of thought that says the first thing to do is to look at the overall shape of your hand. There are four lines that I'm going to focus on in this show. There are more if you want to study palmistry. Here are the four main lines, heart, head, life, and fate. The heart line runs horizontally across the upper part of your palm. It starts from between your index and middle finger and goes all the way to the end of the hand. The heart line represents emotional stability, romantic perspectives, depression, and heart health. How you interpret it depends on how long or short the line is, how deep it is, if it is straight or curvy, if the lines are broken, chained, forked, or absent. The head line is just below the heart line. It starts from between your thumb and index finger and goes diagonally to the middle of your palm. The headline represents intellect and reasoning. And like the heart line, your reading depends on what type of line you have. The life line is below the headline. It's located between the thumb and index finger. It goes all the way down in a curve to your wrist. The lifeline represents your physical health, well-being, and major life changes. The fate line is also called your destiny line. It is a straight vertical line that starts from the middle of your palm and goes all the way down to your wrist. The fate line represents the degree in which your life is affected by external events beyond your control. Again, there are plenty of websites and books on palmistry that you can read upon and practice. Here's Hegelus Rune Dance with A Tale of Fate, A Folk Song Awaits.
she tried One dawn in her dream She saw him falling The blade of a sword in his side He fell to his knees His dying eyes searching her Breathing his last breath As he cried out her name Like that dreadful morning She she knew that he had died The day came when the ship returned The body of her loved one born She saw from the sight of a lost thing dream symbol to interpret. This next dream symbol is hard to interpret. This symbol not only depends on the dreamer, but the person in the dream. It's celebrity in dreams. There are several ways to interpret celebrity in dreams. The first way is by their names. The best example that I can think of is Tom Cruise. Where in your current life are you on cruise control, for example? You can even do this if you dream of a famous band, for example, NSYNC. What part of your life are you in sync with? Another way to interpret celebrities in dreams is through their work. I mean, what movie, TV, book, or song title that you like or hate that might have something to do with something going on in your life. Other than that, here are some other ways to interpret celebrities in dreams. If you see a celebrity in your dream, it can also represent your higher aspiration. If you dreamt of being friends with a celebrity, it symbolizes your idealized version of one of your real-life friendships. If you dreamed about having sex with a certain celebrity, it's telling you that you have a drive to be successful in your life. And if you dreamed that you are a celebrity, it represents your need to be admired and looked up to by those around you. That is it for this week's dream symbol. If you want a dream for me to interpret and maybe have a dream symbol featured, the contact information will be mentioned at the end of the show. So keep dreaming. And some Start to 
Here's another myth. This next folktale comes from sites.google.com. If you didn't get that URL, it'll be in the blog and show notes. This is a Korean story called The Great Fortune Teller. Long, long ago, there were two young bachelors, Tori meaning stone and Takepi toad. Bachelor Stone was very intelligent and resourceful, while Bachelor Toad was rather slow but sly. Both of them were very, very poor. One day, resourceful Stone conceived of some idea and told Toad, Toad, life is so hard for you and me because we have always been so poor. Let's do something that we too can live a little more comfortably. What do you think, Toad? You are right, Stone. But what could we do? I can't think of any workable idea, said Toad. Well, Toad, as a matter of fact, I do have an idea. You do? Yes, I have a splendid idea. Would you work with me, Toad? Surely if you think I can, replied Toad. Of course you can. From now on, you are to become a diviner. A diviner? How can I act as a diviner when I do not even know whether I can have a meal tonight? Toad could not understand, but Stone was smiling and said, Relax, Toad. Nothing to worry about. All you have to do is to follow my instructions exactly. Now listen carefully, Toad. Today I am going to sneak into the king's palace to steal the royal seal. Then I am going to bury it under the old chestnut tree in the rear garden of the palace. When the time comes, you will go to the palace and say that you are a diviner and that you can solve that grave problem. You will then be led into the palace. Say to the king that you can tell where the seal is. After the recovery of the seal, you will be sure to be rewarded generously by the king. Then you and I will share the reward. How about it? That sounds great, but what if you get caught in the act? Asked Toad, looking very worried. Don't worry about me, and two, no one else besides us know about the scheme. That night, Stone slipped into the palace, stole the seal, and buried it under the chestnut tree. Everything went well as planned. Next morning, there was a big commotion in the palace over the stolen seal, and the king issued a stern order to his courtiers and ministers that the seal be recovered at once. But the king's men had no idea about where the seal might be. As days passed, 
they became more and more agonized over their inability to recover it. A few days after the seal was stolen, Toad went to the palace and said, calmly and confidently, I am a diviner. I will try my best to locate the stolen seal, if you allow me to. Toad was immediately welcomed by the court officials, whose faces were lit up with relief. Toad then walked into the king's quarters, led by the officials. He sat down, closed his eyes, and occasionally blinked his eyes rapidly several times, as fortune tellers usually do. Then, all of a sudden, he slapped his knee and exclaimed, Aha! This sly old chestnut tree, standing innocently, like that can't trick me. The surrounding officials looked at each other, looking puzzled, but with a guiltful display of innocence, Toad stood up, went straight to the old chestnut tree in the backyard and started digging under it. And there it was. The king was so much relieved and pleased, and rewarded Toad generously with strings of money. A few days after this, however, Toad was in for trouble, for he was summoned by the king when a thief stole the queen's precious jewelry, an ornate gold girdle with pendants. This time, it was not his friend Stone who stole it. Toad was at a loss, not knowing what to do. He just strolled around the courtyard pretending to be waiting for a divine inspiration. He was walking back and forth all day, and that night too. He was out in the courtyard strolling and regretting his earlier participation in Stone's scheme. Just then, someone suddenly appeared in the dark. It was a court maid who kneeled in front of Toad and bowed politely. Who are you and what are you doing here? She lifted her face. Toad could see tears in her eyes. She said chokingly, I know, Mr. Toad, that you know everything about what happened. Please don't pretend that you do not know. Lady, I do not understand what you are talking about, said Toad, in a modulated voice trying to hide his puzzlement. It is I who stole the girdle and buried it under that wooden floor over there, said the maid, pointing to a corner of a building. Mr. Toad, please be merciful. Please do not tell this to anyone. Hearing all this, Toad felt quite relieved, convinced that she was telling the truth. <laughs> I've been waiting for you to come forth and ask for forgiveness for your outrageous conduct. I am glad you came to me tonight. Never again do such a crooked thing. Toad admonished her gently, putting on a straight face. Next morning, Toad went before the king, bowed deeply and said, Your Royal Highness, I have located the jewelry. This time the culprit is the wooden floor around the rear courtyard. I will lead you there. Reaching the location pointed out by the maid the night before, Toad started digging a spot under the floor and took out the gold girdle. After the second divination, Toad became famous, and his name became a household word throughout the country. His reputation eventually reached neighboring China. The Emperor of China wished to meet Toad, the famous diviner, and an arrangement was made by the king, who invited the emperor to his royal palace. Toad was summoned again by the king for demonstrating his remarkable ability of divination to the Emperor of China. The king asked, pointing to a stone on top of a small mound of earth, Toad, what is hidden inside the mound? Tell us what it is. Toad almost fainted. He felt as if the whole world had been collapsing on him. He thought he could not see another sunrise. Until then, he had been simply lucky. But how in the world could he tell what was hidden under that heap of soil? As he was resigned to die, tears went welling up his eyes. 
Very, very sad. Toad lamented inside. Stone, because of you and your cute scheme, I am about to be fatally punished. Had it not been for your scheme, Stone, I may still be poor, but would not lose my life. And when his inner lament reached this point, he could not overcome sorrow and resentfulness. And finally shouted out loud, Toad is dying because of you, Stone. Just then, exploded loud cheers from the Emperor and his entourage. The Emperor had hidden a toad under the stone. Out of the admiration of the Emperor, rewarded Toad with a load of money and Toad lived comfortably and happily ever after. would loom, the wind would turn, it happened every time, until at last it struck me, I should just let it all unfold, the sun is shining somewhere, and fortune loves the bold. Questions to the fool out in the storm They thought that I would envy them All safe and dry and warm But I think I'm done with staying right Where I've been pigeonholed The sun is shining somewhere And fortune loves the That was Fortune by Heather Dale. Before that, you heard Handsome Rogue by S.J. Tucker. That is it for the show. Again, I'm your host, Midnight Star. 
Before I forget, on goddessvaultpodcast.wordpress.com, there is a way for you to leave a comment. It's very hard to see. I've tried to make it larger, but I can't. It's just the way that wordpress.com is. If you look under the show title, in very tiny print, there is the date, my name, and then right next to that is leave a comment. Hopefully that will help you out. Other than that, if you have a suggestion for a show topic, spirit guide, dream symbol, or you just want to like, share, or comment, you can do so on the new blog, the Music from the Goddesses Vault Facebook page, or you can tweet me at Goddess Vault. I am also finding new ways for all of you to keep in contact with me. There have been a few comments, but I want more. I want to know how to make the show better. That's why I need you listeners to get involved. Anyway, I'm going to leave you with Hand Fasting by Threefold. Blessed be.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.